it's that time of the year again when the dust has started to settle. On my TV, that is, due to lack of proper football. And you know the proper stuff, I'm not talking like USMNT versus Costa Rica and all that bullshit. How do you put up with that, by the way? I, I need to ask you that sometime. But I had to ask you what the USMNT was. It took me a second to figure that out, but okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, as long as we're on the same page. Right. Yes. So we digress, right? So I, as I was saying, as Man City's gold dust has started to settle, uh, hardly seven days after an epic, epic final in Istanbul, uh, Jack Grealish is still downing flaming Sambukas somewhere, somehow. But the question we're asking today is which team... Pep's all-conquering Man City 23 versus Sir Alex Ferguson's comeback kings of 99 were the more dominant force of their time. We don't have to debate the teams one-on-one, but, you know, we can look back at what each one's done well, how they've cemented their status, you know, in having one of the greatest seasons um, in their history, respectively, of course. Or as my man Jose would say, Manchester City? are building a football heritage. And it truly is. It truly is something special in the making at the Etihad Stadium. And I guess, you know, English football in general is steeped in history. We all know that. It's the most competitive and lucrative league in the world. And yet only two teams have ever done the continental trouble. And they both hail from Manchester. Quite quite possibly the only thing City and United fans will probably agree on. Of course, until City wins a second treble, and then, then they'll be at it again. So who better to kick us off today than to discuss that than a hardcore Liverpool fan? You know, both teams have collectively, uh, and at separate stages, been a thorn in Liverpool's flesh over the past three decades. Um, added to the fact that, you know, Liverpool have had a pretty lackluster season by their own standards, so this, this makes it extra special, if you will. What's more, that phrase, epic night in Istanbul, is something you're going to have to learn how to share now. And with City, no less. I highly doubt it, because because if you saw the final between City and Inter Milan, it it wasn't a great final. I'm talking about the result of it. I'm not talking about the result, uh, which is is the episode we're talking about today. Focus, focus. When it comes to Liverpool and Istanbul, it's not just the result, it's... It's the drama of the game. That's what makes it one of the you know best Champions League finals of all time. The the the, the City Inter Milan final was not uh, you know that memorable to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I mean not not a memorable final by the game standard itself, but obviously what it meant symbolically beyond that is something nobody's replicated for years now. So let's jump in, shall we, Rochil? Initial thoughts yeah. on the week after City and Pep Guardiola wrapped up the Holy Trinity. I mean, initial thoughts, this is an episode that I was not looking forward to doing at all. Because on one hand, I have to discuss Manchester United, and on the other hand, I have to discuss Manchester City. And neither, they're, they're not appealing topics for rock, me, honestly. Rock in a hard place, right, for you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, absolutely ter- terrible. But, I mean, since since we're, we're talking about this, I just want to say, like, I know there's been a lot of discussion on social media and, you know, even even by all of these elite pundits on, like, whatever you know, broadcasting channels they're on, which which team, you know, did it better, like United or City? United was 1999. You and I were still kids. We didn't really follow what happened that season all that much. 2023, what's happened with Guardiola? Like, we've unfortunately had, like, front row seats to every single thing that they've achieved. They've They've just absolutely 
demolished every single person in the Champions League. I mean, I, I read a stat that the entire season they didn't concede a single goal in the Champions League or something like that. Or, you know, they went unbeaten the whole uh, Champions League seasons. It was, yeah, my, my, my memory is a bit hazy on that, but I remember something along those lines. And that's, that's a fantastic uh, achievement when you look at what they've done in the FA Cup. They've just casually strolled to it. And Premier League, I mean, w- what more can you say? They were, they were in second place for like 90% of the season and the final 10% where it mattered. They just took it into another gear and, and just secured their third Premier League title in a row. It doesn't matter if you're a Liverpool fan or United. I think everybody's been shocked by what City's achieved this season. I mean, before they went into this final in Istanbul, immortality beckoned, and that itself should put enough pressure on you to not win it. Uh, Teams have tried and they failed, right? Um, And they weren't in their uh, usually menacing, bulldozing mood, right, That, that you mentioned already. It was it was almost like a smash and grab from Arsenal with the league. Narrow win, FA Cup, even narrower win in the Champions League. So uh, they all they I think I think they've just they've just gone out saying let's just Mourinho the fuck out of this and just just win it. I mean, winning matters. We need the three points. We need the we need the W. Forget about how we do it. Okay, now let's take a look at Man City's season, right? Because this is going to be an episode that's primarily focused on them. Let's start with the Premier League. I don't think anyone coming into the season doubted that they would win it. Arsenal, along the way, did manage to, you know, change the narrative a little bit, maybe sow some doubt that, okay, this is going to be the team that could stop them this season, but it didn't happen. And that was their first title of the season wrapped up, I think. You're right. From 12 points down in January to winning the league with five points clear in May, I think that is absolutely unbelievable. And and you you mentioned this infamous stat that, that Arsenal fans will never get lived down for now, which is City led about 7% of the season, which is not their usual style, right? Yeah. But this is a team that has had a 100-point season. This is a team that averages 90-plus points every season, and they still manage to win it just leading... A, you know, abysmal a, a amount of the way. And it, it, I, it just amazes me how it's been this resilience that has just kicked them into gear so late into the season that they were still able to secure a title. Yeah, and, and I think more so than anything, that's a pretty solid testament to City's depth that they can just be in like, you know, like, okay, like we're going to just ghost through the season, focus on everything else. We're going to sit behind you. We're going to apply the pressure. And then the moment you fuck up, we're going to pounce. We're going to dominate. We're going to make you miserable. I, That's just something that they do so well because they have, you know, absolutely incredible squad depth. The squad itself, right? Uh, I'm glad you mentioned it. Has winners in it with a smattering yeah, of yeah. new signings. There's there's never the opposite ratio it's it's always predominated by people who know how to win people who know how to get through a season and fight it out till the end uh, with a smattering of you know your 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 new signings that add a bit of flavor to how they attack and score goals and 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 defend and so on and added to that i think um not only have they come from behind come come well from behind to win a title they've now won three premier league titles in a row a three-peat yeah as you guys would call it Again, only Sir Alex in the Premier League era has done that. So another record for City. All right then. FA Cup, second second uh, title, I believe, that was sewn up, defeating uh, Manchester United in the final. Man United in the final, again, very narrow win. But again, you know, it's something we've come to learn from City this season. 
the only weakness I could have ever labeled at City was the fact that they were a bit frail at the back, right? You can never really predict. They, they, they almost always had to outscore opponents because they would leak a lot of goals at the back. But this City squ- squad and team have been so resilient, and that's been the cornerstone of how they've been able to fight it out and win all three titles. And United was no different. I mean, United came back in the game uh, through a through a penalty, and then City led again. Obviously, City led 17 seconds into the final, which was literally amazing. Uh, beautiful Gundogan goal. Um, United came back. City went 2-1 up, but uncharacteristically held on uh, for about 35 minutes to win the FA Cup. If you look at their run to the FA Cup, they've not had it easy, to be honest. They had Chelsea in the third round. Well, they did have it a bit easy because Chelsea was shit this season. I mean, it's yeah, it's Chelsea. So, uh, and, and they beat us comprehensively 4-0. Uh, they, they had Arsenal next round, right? Uh, again, title contenders. They beat them. They had Then they had a few championship uh, teams and then, and then United in the final. But up until that goal that Bruno Fernandes scored in the final, they had not conceded a single goal in five FA Cup rounds, which is incredible in itself. And yeah, uh, truly worthy double winners, right, at this point. Double winners at the time, yeah, with the Champions League coming up next. The, the trophy that Pep Guardiola, Manchester City supporters, the owners, everyone has craved this trophy for a, a good amount of time now. And they finally did it. They absolutely did it. And I think you might have mentioned this before, unbeaten, unbeaten all season in the Champions League. Yeah. And some of the some of the results, obviously, we, we, we were all witness to were just beyond belief, right? Astonishing results. They, they did have Sevilla... Dortmund, Copenhagen, those were the three, right? In the in the in the group stages. In the group, yeah. And and I think they only managed two four or five nil wins in the group, which is which is uncharacteristic, right? For City. Usually they had a they had a couple of nil nils against Dortmund and Copenhagen, very surprisingly, where Haaland, uh, you know, forgot his shooting boots. So people had doubts. They were like, can could Man City do it? They've not had a very They've not had an, had an had an amazing dominating start. yeah dominating uh, group stage right, and they kind of showed it in the first knockout game against Leipzig where uh, Leipzig came back into the game and drew one one and we were thinking yeah. hey okay this is this is the city of old they're gonna get knocked out now, but then then the beast awakens right seven nil in that second leg they just absolutely blew them away and then people started to really perk their ears up and go okay this might be something this this could be coming of course they had bayern in the next round and we were like okay well they could either, this could go either horribly right or horribly wrong i think they silenced tuchel's men 3-0 in the first leg they finished the job off before the second leg even started the real blockbuster, I think, and I think you'll agree with me here, was Real Madrid. Absolutely. I mean, I, I really thought that Real Madrid, you know, being Real Madrid, being the Champions League, considering the history, the past that they have in that competition, unfortunately, that's something that also as a Liverpool supporter, I know firsthand what that's like. I really thought that Madrid would be the ones who'd stop City. I, I really did. Because, I mean, they, they might not have been in the best of form in La Liga and, you know, whatnot. But somehow in Europe, in the Champions League, they just, they just show up. Don't up. And everything, yeah, yeah, they just show up. Everything goes their way. It's absolutely incredible. Well, the, not 
not this year not the not the fairy tale they were hoping for in fact far from it they were absolutely demolished in that second leg 4-0 for what the 14 time european champions um and then i guess you know on to the final it was uh, it was a bit reminiscent of the liverpool tottenham final for me where going into it you kind of knew who was going to win it there was a, there was there was there was a clear you know potential winner clear favorite, clear favorite but it's a final it's a one-off game. Anything could happen. And it was a lot closer than we thought it would be. Uh, but, you know, uh, as I said, City have been resilient defensively. And they did what they needed to do. Wrapped up wrapped up a treble. Now, you know, this treble, we've, we've mentioned earlier in the episode that, you know, the first thing that was on everyone's mind the moment it happened was, okay, the second team in English history to do this uh, continental treble the first being United in 1999. Which team was better? Top of my head, I think we haven't really seen that United team play live, right? We were too young to, to, to watch that. I have watched the tape back, but it's nothing as good as watching. So yeah. I am a bit biased towards this City side, just in the way they've done it, unbeaten UCL campaign and everything. My vote would have to go to City. What about you? It's, you know, it's, it's honestly a bit, complicated don't, because don't, I, don't I give do me a tie with you do not give me a tie i'm not giving you a tie no i'm not giving you a tie i think i think what city have done is incredible um I, i'd like to say that we we're not going to see another team do it again for a really long time but i mean the reality of the situation is city could just as easily do it next year like there's just really no stopping them but for me personally it's it's not about which team was better it's about which team sort of makes me a Liverpool supporter, feel worse, you know? And for me, naturally, like, the United treble just feels worse, if you know what I mean? Like, you know, it comes down to, like, okay, like, United, they're our biggest domestic rivals, right? No matter how much Manchester City supporters want to pretend like there's a rivalry with Liverpool, there there really isn't. For us, it's United. You want to beat United, you want to be better than them. That's what it's always been, and honestly, that's what it'll always be. You know, even if you look at the league, like beating United 7-0, once again, I'm going to bring that in because what else do I have to take away from the season? Beating United 7-0 for me personally is far more sweeter than beating City 7-0, for example, you know, because that's that's the level of rivalry that sort of exists. So I'll, I'll completely agree that City's treble is the better treble because it's the better team. They've played a much better form of football, but... I hate that United have done that treble and that's one thing that they can hold over Liverpool supporters. In terms of man management and the way Sir Alex was actually able to drive that team to three trophies, I think nobody can do that. You mentioned this already in terms of financial backing. I don't think he had the financial backing that Guardiola currently has. Um, I mean, no one forget, in history has ever had that backing. Forget the financial. Well, I'll I'll get to that in a in a minute. Actually, I was I was I wanted your take on that. It's an interesting fact. Financial fraud and everything aside, I think if you look at purely how football has evolved with the kind of money being pumped in, and, and that's just the age we live in. I don't think Guardiola can be blamed for having more money. It's just the way football is run these days. It and and it wasn't. No no team had that amount of money going into a Champions League season in the in the in the mid and late nineties. So the fact that Sir Alex Ferguson has still been able to churn not just churn a treble, but churn title after title over many years, I think puts him in the conversation and his team in the conversation for the greatest for the greater of the two trebles. Um, football has changed, I think 
Pep is seen more as an innovator. Uh, the fact that he's won things by innovating football is even greater, right? And that's kind of one of the reasons why I prefer Pep and his team to Sir Alex and his. The other aspect I was thinking about after the final was Kevin De Bruyne, City's most influential player playmakers ever, was missing for a large part of the game. He had to he had to be taken off because of a hamstring injury. He was taken off in the last Champions League final they were in as well. So he's effectively played like what some sixty minutes across two Champions League finals. Now I was thinking about you know what if you took out Beckham or took out Roy Keane or Giggs or Scholes from that United 99 squad. I don't think they would have won the trophies they did in 99 if you would have taken someone out from one of those finals. I mean, you know, see, here's the thing. That's fine. And I, and I kind of agree with that. But at the same time, you have to look at the teams and how they sort of, you know, got there. Like the reason City can, you know, take Kevin De Bruyne off in like whatever minute of the Champions League and put in someone else and still go on to play really well comes down to two factors. One, you've got Pep Guardiola, who's instilled this system where players are interchangeable, right? It doesn't hinge on... KDB for Foden? I don't know. I mean, KDB is probably the only cog that is in... I mean, you can you can say that, but here's the thing. Foden is incredibly talented as well. You, you can make the argument that he's not as good as Kevin De Bruyne, but he's still he better than can. like a good 60% of the league. Right, sixty, seventy, whatever percentage you think it is, he's still better than that, and and that's just the sort of thing because it's it's very hard to have a discussion about Manchester City without talking about the money, right? It's it's not something you can do because it's the money that they've had access to has been so so important and so integral to building this squad. And when I say squad, I'm talking about like not just the starting eleven, beyond that as well, because they've effectively got two incredibly strong teams that they can put out. No other team in history has had that. Sir Alex Ferguson did not have that. So yes, when you look at the the, the, the 1999 uh, Champions League final, they didn't have, if I'm not mistaken, they didn't have Roy Keane and someone else play in the final. They had Nicky Butt, and I don't remember who the other person was. They had to get people to step in and still do a good job. And yeah, we can talk about how the, the 1999 final wasn't particularly great. I mean, you've seen it, I've seen it. Yeah, it was just two it was extra just a time stroke winners. of uh, luck. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. But 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 when and when we're comparing, you know, s- squads and eras and all of those things, it, one of the f- biggest things is it, it does come down to money. But do you do you mean the amount of money spent, or do you mean just the absurd? availability in each transfer window i'll tell i'll tell you why i i mean they're 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 kind of linked aren't they they are they are um extrinsically linked i'd say the reason i'm the the reason i ask you that is because i i pulled up this stat right i was looking at city's list of the most expensive transfers now if you leave out number one who's jack Grealish, obviously like 100 million number two to number 10 number two being kdb by the way for 68 million Three, Ruben Diaz, 61 million. Riyad Mahrez, 61 million. And the, and I could just go down the list, right? Raheem Sterling, 57. Laporte, 56. Rodri, 56. You can see they kind of saturate around that 40 to 60 million mark, right? Contrary to what we're used to believing about City, if you really look at the numbers, they're not, they're not really overpaying for players in this inflated market. And what amazed me more is... Eight out of those top 10 transfers were actually in the starting 11 for the final, 
So they're players who've not just been bought on a reasonable transfer fee. They've also lasted the test of time to actually continue contributing to the squad. It's not like you bought a player and he doesn't and he's on the bench for the rest of the season, right? Which is most of the time at Chelsea. So I I I totally relate to that. Um and Erling Haaland is number 10 on the list. He literally just about made the top 10 with 52 million. Just looking at the this stat alone, I feel like they haven't overpaid for players. So there is an element of Guardiola's genius really trying to get the most of them. He's made them he's made these stars into superstars. And and that's what I found most amazing. It's you know when you look at it from that lens it's it's really easy to say that they've bought all of these players they've been smart buys and and they have been smart buys I'm not debating that but you you have to look at it as uh, you know the the history of their transfers as a whole I mean there this is a club that has been able to buy players for 50 60 million the the way you say I completely agree with that they haven't gone out and made uh, you know massive purchases like you know going for Darwin Nunes for 60 or 80 million, whatever the number is, going for Lukaku for 90 million or whatever the number is. They haven't done stuff like that. But when you look at their history, the way they've been able to build a squad, they've been afforded luxuries that other teams don't really have, right? They've been able to buy players. And even if it doesn't work out with them, they've been able to just write it off and replace that player with another expensive purchase. That's not a luxury that other teams get. You, you, you kind of get what I'm saying? Like, as a Liverpool supporter, I look at us, we spend 60 million on Darwin Nunes. Now, question marks over Darwin Nunes a season, you know, aside, we're not in a position to say, oh, well, Darwin's fucked up. We need to bring in someone else. City have had that luxury. They've been able to, and, and you know, fair enough. Like, if they've had access to that money, if, if Liverpool had access to the sort of money that they've had to do it, fair enough. You build a squad, you build a dynasty, you do that. That's great. So maybe let's look at this from a managerial perspective now. We know that both teams have merits, both teams have drawbacks. What we can agree on is the fact that they both got it done. They're the only two teams on yeah. in the English um, Championship or, or in the English League, if you want to call it, that have done the treble. Now, Pep Guardiola, right? As a manager, now now leave 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 out his time at Man City. I'm 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 going to consider his career as a whole because it cannot be understated the fact that he is the only manager to do a three-peat in La Liga, to do a three-peat in Bundesliga, and now to do a three-peat in the Premier League. You can say what you want about La Liga and the Bundesliga being farmer's leagues compared to the Premier League. I mean, the Premier League's a farmer's league. Now. The Premier League's a farmer's league now for Holland, it, it would seem. But, um, you know, you could, you could doubt his time in Spain and Germany, uh, owing to the fact that he, were, he coached one of the greatest club teams ever in Barcelona. Uh, and, and I'm talking literally about that 2009-10 team. They were invincible. In uh, um, you could say he coached Bayern, who basically win every year. There were about ninety percent of his detractors said he would never make it or cut it in the Premier League, and he's basically won five out of the last six Premier League titles and a three-peat, no less. So I think he deserves a lot of credit there. So my question to you is: If Sir Alex was, you know, widely regarded as the greatest of all time in England, or you know, in in mostly in the world uh, for his achievements, including this treble. Do you think Pep Guardiola should now be added to that elite club of two? I don't think given what Pep Guardiola has achieved in the Premier League with 
Manchester City that you can say that he's not elite, right? As far as being one of the greatest in the Premier League, sure, I'll, I'll admit to that. But I wouldn't say he's the greatest. I think that title still belongs to Sir Alex Ferguson. Oh, thank God. I, th- I hate to admit it, but it does. I thought you were going to say Klopp, but okay. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, look, Klopp, fantastic manager, love him to bits. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sad the day he leaves. But the fact of the matter is, when you look at what Liverpool have put in their trophy cabinet, it hasn't compared to City and it will not compare to United, right? That's that's just unfortunate for Klopp that he's there in the Premier League at the same time that Pep and Man City are there. That's just, you know, unfortunately, that's just how it goes, mm-hmm. right? Sir Alex Ferguson, for me, again, hate to admit it, but he has to be the greatest of all times because the question mark that will, I, I feel, you know, rightly or wrongly, the question mark that will always hang over Pep Guardiola is, again, he had the capacity to build a team that he wanted right his first season at the club they finished third if i'm not mistaken yep. my, my memory's a bit hazy on that. they finished third and then the following summer they went out and spent like 300 million and just completely revamped the squad with what guardiola wanted right mm-hmm. sir alex ferguson never afforded that opportunity i mean we've seen manchester united win the league with teams that honestly should have never won the league i mean he had the likes of uh, Fabio Silva and Rafael Silva, the brothers on the wing. Michael Owen up front, you know, in the in, in the twilight. Yeah, uh, uh, an aging Michael Owen up front. He had uh, who was that? A- Anderson. He had Anderson in midfield, right? Yeah. When you look at some of the teams, some of the Manchester United squads that have won the Premier League, you really look at that and go, "How the hell did they do that? Like, how is it possible that this team, where honestly these players were average and..." I think we can say very comfortably that if they were sold, they would not have gone to another top Premier League club, right? How did this team, how did these teams win the Premier League? And a lot of that just comes down to Sir Alex Ferguson. Tactically, he wasn't as innovative as Guardiola. Guardiola, I think we can say 100% has revolutionized the game. He's, he's, you know, sort of like cry of 2.0, if you will. Sir Alex Ferguson was never like that, but he could still win with whatever players were at his disposal. And for me, that's ridiculously impressive. It's what I see sort of Klopp doing at Liverpool, but of course at a slightly different scale because Klopp has been afforded some luxuries. Not many, some. It's also, you know, pretty similar to what you see someone like Mourinho doing at Roma, right? Roma, not a lot of money, definitely not the biggest spenders in uh, Serie A, let alone, you know, Europe. Conference League final wrapped up. Europa League final, which they unfortunately lost. But these are all managers who can show that what they've got at their disposal is good enough for them to make it work and make them champions. Pep Guardiola, unfortunately or unfortunately, I don't know how you look at it, has never really had to do that in his career, with maybe the exception of Barcelona, where everyone, you know, came through La Masia, came in with that philosophy. And I think this is a conversation that's always going to go on because I don't think we'll ever see Pep Guardiola take a side that has no one and make them someone because honestly why would he like he has nothing to gain from true props to Ferguson I think I think what he did will never be replicated and we're talking about the greatest of all time here so we're not talking particularly about the treble this is in the context of their careers he managed the club for 25 years he won 13 titles which I don't think Guardiola will get to right no matter how good he is I don't think that 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 stat will ever be matched so I have absolute respect for Sir Alex there you know, I saw this quote that 
you know, ironically enough, Ferguson made himself, where he was asked about who he preferred, whether Ronaldo or Messi. And I think he said he preferred Ronaldo because, obviously, maybe he was biased because he played for him, but he said that Messi couldn't hack it on a cold, windy night in Stoke, right? And that's that's how we, we have come to yeah. know of that expression. Now, if you use that logic, Guardiola is your Ronaldo. I mean, people doubted his cold, windy night in Stoke before he came to Man City in the Premier League. But he has basically dispelled all of those doubts. He's like, you know, give me, give me whatever league you want. And, and I totally get your point. You know, the team matters as much as the league, right? He's had, he's had a constant churnover of stars coming into his team. But there is an element of making them gel. We could, you know, argue till the end of time. This is, this is going to be a Ronaldo versus Messi debate. Because truly, the two people we're talking about are elite on a stratospheric level like no other manager has been. And it'll, it only remains to be seen whether Guardiola will repeat the sextuple or the six trophies with uh, Man City, as he did with Barcelona, right? So winning the Super Cup next year, winning the uh, FIFA Club World Cup, and then maybe even the even the Community Shield. So, you know, he's, he's, he's going to have a long line of trophies by the end of this year. Uh, but it remains to be seen whether they can complete the full set. The other thing I'm, I, I obviously uh, noted on was Guardiola kind of hinted at the fact that he's going to leave in 2025. At the end of his contract, right? yeah. So again, it's something that, you know, uh, one lucky team has the chance to get him on a free. Uh, and getting Guardiola on a free is like getting, I don't know, Kylian Mbappe on a free. This is, this is a, you, know, a, a, you know, your team could be... Both could happen. Both could happen. Both could happen. Indeed, indeed. And I, I mean, personally, I feel he's either going to go to Italy... Or he's going to go to a national team. Maybe the Spanish national team. Who knows? Now, before we end this episode, I've, I've got something that I wanted to discuss with you. And I know that this is not something that we planned for. I just wanted to throw it at you and see how it goes. Okay. Uh, you know how I do well, impromptu, but we'll see. Absolutely. That, that's why I enjoy doing it, you know. We've mentioned this particular team a lot in this episode, or rather you've mentioned it. I haven't said it as much because I wanted to leave it for the end. You've mentioned it quite a lot, so I've, this, is a, this is a conversation that I've wanted to have. Everyone talks about Pep Guardiola, Manchester City in 2023 versus mm-hmm. Sir Alex Ferguson uh, with Manchester United in 1999. I'm going to ask you what you think really quickly. Pep Guardiola, Manchester City 2023 versus Pep Guardiola, Barcelona 2008-2009. Both teams did the treble. Which team was better? Barcelona, 2009-10. Why? I think they were just the complete team. And they, they truly did revolutionize football. They, they, they just so changed did, so did Manchester football. City. But I think on a, if you look at it on an overall level, the fact that they brought in academy graduates, a lot of them were academy graduates, to your point, right? Not just built superstars. Pep Guardiola as a manager were just two years into his whole career as a manager. Uh, it does help that he had the greatest player on the planet in that team, uh, which which itself raises its stock, right, over this Manchester City team. A lot, a lot of factors, and, and the fact that they, not, not only did they do the treble, they almost um, popularized a new version of football in Tiki-Taka, and they ended up doing the whole set. So they ended up winning all six trophies in a, in a calendar year. And yeah, for me, they are, they are literally hands down the greatest club team over a season ever 
Well, you can be happy that I'm not going to have to say much about that because I agree with you on every single thing that you just said. <laughs> after after all of that about Man City, I just completely flipped completely to Barcelona. Completely flipped the script because when it comes down to academy <laughs> graduates, that's who you want to see winning and, you know, making history. That's just how it goes. I'm going to end this episode with one really small, really quick, rapid-fire game. Okay. We're going to look at both these squads, Manchester City 23, Barcelona 08-09, and come up with the combined starting 11. Oh, my goodness. All right? This is going to make you think. Now, okay. goalkeeper. You've got Edison, you've got Victor Valdez. Who are you going for? Edison. All right. Defenders. On And I'm going to go with 4-3-3. I'm not going to go with whatever cockamamie formation Guardiola decides to use on any given day. I'm going with a 4-3-3. So left back. Who the hell plays left back for City? Uh, used to be Cancelo. Oh, my Cancelo. God. Well, uh, to be honest, they have three at the back, so that's probably that's, that's why, why I can't remember who plays left back for Manchester City. <laughs> who, who is the... Oh, shit. You know what? Let's just do one thing. Let's just put, put Nathan Ake, Ake on Ake. the left-hand side. Okay, right? there we go. Okay, yeah. Silvino versus Nathan Ake. Um, considering I don't remember Silvino, I'm going to go enough, with Ake. Fair enough. Nathan Ake. <laughs> all right. This is where it gets interesting. All right? Yeah. Carles Puyol or Ruben Diaz? Oh, fuck. This is, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. But I would say, status-wise, Puyol. I think, I think game-wise as well, to be honest. Fair, fair, fair. John Stones versus Gerard Piquet. John Stones is a midfielder, isn't he? Why, what is he He's doing? He's a midfielder defense? now. <laughs> um, Gerard Piquet. Okay. Well, but you, you better tell me yours. I, if, I agree with they... you so far. Right back, Dani Alves versus you want to keep it against Akanji or you want it to be Walker. I mean, I'm letting you pick. Put, put all three in there. Probably doesn't matter. I think Dani Alves. Any Dani day. Alves. I agree. I Any agree. Day. You're holding midfielder. Sergio wait, Busquets. Wait, hang, on, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. So our back four, as good as this Man City side is, is being held up by just Nathan Ake. Because we don't know who Silvino is. We don't. <laughs> at least I can't remember <laughs> what he did. If it was Jordi Alba, Still, sure. But it's 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 amazing that only Nathan Ake from this side gets into. I mean, that look, Barcelona were massive, right? Midfield holding midfielder Sergio Busquets, Rodri. I'm just gonna say. Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta. So you can just end the argument. That's there. interesting because I don't say Busquets. I say Rodri. Okay, fair enough. I okay, say that's, Rodri, Xavi, Iniesta. No doubt. We finally disagree. I think you know. I I I feel I feel really sad saying that because on one hand you've got two of the greatest midfielders of all time, Xavi and Iniesta, and I can't put in who I think is the current greatest midfielder of all time. Yeah. Right, Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne. Duh, yeah, that's that's just heartbreaking for yeah. me. It, it sucks. That's just how it is. The left flank, Thierry Henry, Jack Grealish. Considering the stage of Henry's career, I, I'd say Jack Grealish, actually. Okay. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I honestly... He wasn't the Arsenal Henry. So, he wasn't know, the Arsenal I, Henry, I, so I would, I would go with Jack Grealish as well, as much as I hate to do that to Henry, who is one of my favorite Premier League players of all time. Now, I'm going to switch it up just a little bit, because... I know that this isn't the actual position that he played in. I'm going to, you know, maybe do a little bit of management right here, just by myself, without any coaching, without any coaching licenses. So you're doing a pep, basically. I'm doing a pep. Moving I'm, I'm, being, I'm being innovative, yeah. Up front, Haaland or Messi? Oh, my I, I want God. to point out that the person who played up front for Barcelona the whole time was Samuel Eto'o. I just wanted to be a Haaland versus Messi competition. Very narrowly, Lionel Messi. 
and I'll I'd tell say you very why. Very easily, Lionel Messi. I'd say very narrowly, but I'll tell you why. It's only because <laughs> the people who fed Messi are right behind That's him true. in my team. That's true. So That's fair. you know you gotta you gotta fit the system. That's right? fair. You gotta fit the system. That's fair. And now on the right hand side, let's take a look at Bernardo Silva and let's take a look at Samuel Eto'o. Oh, Bernardo Silva, oh. for sure. I think I think more because Silva's in his natural position, right? So I think I think he'll he'll be a better fit for the team than 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 Eto in that position. I agree. I agree. So the only place that we've actually disagreed is Rodri versus Sergio Busquets. Exactly. Exactly. And and if I had to, you know, make a a heart wrenching, painful decision, I think I would leave out Xavi and put in Kevin De Bruyne. That's the only last no, minute Pep, Pep Guardiola change. Iniesta is Iniesta. I would not touch him. But I I feel KDB can do what Xavi does. Nobody can do what Iniesta does. So if I had to pep no, this, no, 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 I no, would no. change I, KDB last minute for Xavi. I 100% do not agree with that. Xavi over Iniesta. I'm a massive Iniesta fan, but Xavi over Kevin De Bruyne any day. Looks like we've just done like a 90% Barcelona 11. Yeah, we should have just been speaking about Barcelona instead. We wasted our <laughs> exactly. time talking about City and Manchester United and Sir Alex Ferguson. And well, that's, that's a know. good way to waste. I don't know how much time it's been, but it's a good way to waste that much amount of time. And but anyway, we hope you enjoyed the episode and we hope you'll tune in next time. We've, uh, we've got a few more episodes lined up that we want to discuss. Uh, maybe controversial, maybe not. We've got uh, Arsenal stuff coming up. And we don't want to really discuss transfers because, I mean, nothing's really happening and it's silly season all around. But when there's something new, you will hear it from us. Either way, we hope you tune in to our next episode. Until next time, cheers.